When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is Cryptids of Turkey. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me, as always, are the sage and sharp-witted Lindsay and Ashley. Ooh, sage. She said sharp-witted, too, and I'm, like, over here trying not to chuckle because we were just playing with box cutters and scissors a couple minutes ago. (laughs) Blunt scissors, to be fair, so everybody's safe. I still poked myself, but everything's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. Didn't even snag this dress that I'm wearing, so everything's good. You made a good choice with the blunted scissors. Mm -hmm. That became quickly apparent. (laughs) I know, like... I know that I'm good. Like, I'm good with knives and stuff for the most part. But when you're in an enclosed space, like trying to juggle a bunch of boxes and a microphone in a Boston Terrier, you're just better off to go with blunted scissors. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Lindsay, this candle seriously smells so freaking good. I'm over here like, oh, heaven. That smells so good. Take a big old inhale of that. Get all high off of it. Love it. it. If y'all want to know what we got for Christmas, you'll have to head over to Patreon and join up because we're going to put all of our videos up there. <laughs> You're missing out. Okay, so who's ready to eat? Me. As long as it's not flaming hot Cheetos, I'm in. <laughs> it is not. No, flames don't work well for this, so. Ooh, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. I'm intrigued. Today's meal comes from Van Galu in Turkey, and as usual, we're going to start our meal with some relevant history about the region, because we know how much history influences the flavor of a dish. This is true. It is true. It is, and it works out super well, because I spent all my time putting context on Mesopotamia and didn't talk about Turkey at all. (laughs) Sorry, Turkey. Emily makes up for my shortcomings. Uh, only a little bit. I didn't really go too much into Turkish, hi- Turkish history, but I went into like the regional history for this one. Van Gulu is a brilliantly blue lake known in English as Lake Van, which Ooh. makes me chuckle. And it sits in the far eastern region of the country near the borders of Iran, Iraq, and Armenia. According to AllAboutTurkey.com, Van Gulu is the largest lake in the country and the second largest in the Middle East, so unsurprisingly, it has been an important location throughout human occupation of the region. They've been around there for a little while. Makes sense. Now we're going to get into some statistics. Are you ready for it? I know, it's so exciting. Hit me with the numbers. Do it. It has a surface area of 3,713 square kilometers, or about... 1,434 square miles, and at its widest point, it is more than 119 kilometers or 74 miles across. It's pretty big. To put that into perspective with some of the other lakes that we've discussed, and I went through and I looked at all my old notes, uh, both Lake Como in Italy and Loch Ness in Scotland have a surface area of approximately 56 square kilometers or 21.62 square miles. So that's a huge difference from the 3,713, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Lake Labinkir in Russia has a surface area of about 45 square kilometers or 17 and a half square miles. So these lakes are significantly smaller than Vangalu in Turkey. Not only does the lake have a large surface area, but it's also pretty damn deep. That's what she said. Like me. It's just so deep. No, not really. I'm all surface area. There's no depth. <laughs> uh. I think I'm all, like, dark chasm and no surface area, but that's fine. I love spelunking. (laughs) 
<laughs> kind of go spelunking down Ashley's dark cavern. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll speak Latin the whole way down. Man, now I'm starting to rethink my uh, angle on the goat that you got me. <laughs> Maybe it is a marriage proposal. <laughs> I think I burnt off a hair when I smelled that candle. <laughs> my forehead's a little tingly. Okay. Like take off okay. your eyebrows. I can't use safety scissors and Emily can't smell candles. <laughs> this is a good crew right here. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> okay, so the lake, it's pretty dang deep. Not as deep as Ashley, but deep. At its deepest, the lake measures about... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is getting so weird. <laughs> it measures about 450 meters or 1,476 feet with an average depth of 170 meters or 558 feet. So that's pretty deep. Yeah. And because I'm a weirdo, I was like, hmm, I wonder how big all of the New York City boroughs are when you put them together. I don't know why this is what popped into my head, but that's what I went for. I was like, biggest city in the world? How big is the, the area of the boroughs? It is more than four times larger in surface area than all five of the New York City boroughs combined. Damn. And it's deeper then the Empire State Building is tall. Okay, but does it have a target that has an escalator for carts? We have one of those in Minneapolis, in Twin Cities. A target that has an escalator for carts? Yeah. It's the coolest, listen, it's the coolest shit ever. I used to go to the target in Brooklyn just to play with the cart escalator. (laughs) Now we know how Ashley spent her free time. (laughs) I didn't get much. Uh, I was usually trying to read like 17 books all at once. It That's was a, a good time. It's a lot of books. So the carts were how the brain just let it all go. <laughs> carts! Those things are fun. Don't judge me until you've played with one. <laughs> Lindsay knows. I know, yeah. Her eyes show my excitement. <laughs> the first time I ever saw it, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want a basket anymore. I want a cart. I need to go from the first floor to the second floor. And my cart does too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we derailed this entirely. Empire State Building. Yes, there are there are no cart escalators in this lake that I'm aware of. Unless they recently installed one, but it would seem kind of pointless. But they may. You never know. Who knows what Turkey's doing? Mermaids like to shop too. Everybody likes to shop. So it's, yes, it's deeper than the Empire State Building is tall. Its surface area is greater than that of Rhode Island. So you could basically sink an entire state in this lake. So maybe they should change it to Lake Rhode Island? (laughs) Instead of Lake Van? Yeah. You could sink a lot of vans into this thing, but you could also (laughs) sink a Rhode Island and an Empire State Building. Yep. It's a deep lake, big ass lake. Like they they viewed it as a C, and it's not not hard to see. It's not hard to see why. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> the lake itself is comprised of two sections. The larger, deeper section lies to the south, just like me. My bigger, deeper section to the, whoa. Nope, back that one up. This lake is pear shaped. Please. It is pear shaped. <laughs> While the smaller, shallower section is in the north, and the two sections are connected by a channel. Von Galoo, which was formed by volcanic and tectonic activity over the past 600,000 years, is bordered by mountains to the south and east, and volcanic cones to the west, and it's considered... This is a tough word. Endorheic? It's an endorheic lake. I have no idea what that is. I didn't either. In its present state, that's what it is. This means that it's a lake without an outflow. So water can drain into it, but doesn't drain out. So it's like, it's just a big old basin with no place to go. It's like a, it's like your clogged sink. It's a dead end. It is believed that lava from a volcanic flow blocked its outflow at some point during the Pleistocene epoch, which ended 11,700 years ago, creating a closed lake with particularly unusual properties. Mm -hmm. And these properties are important. So we're going to talk about them a little bit. Because the lake is endo endor i can't say it endorheic and has no outflow that means that everything that drains into the lake 
stays there. And this affects many aspects of the lake itself and its habitability. So water levels in the lake vary pretty dramatically due to evaporation, inflow, sedimentation, stuff like that. At various points in its history, the lake has been as much as 72 meters or 236 feet deeper than it currently is, or 300 meters, 984 feet shallower than it is today. So that, that gives you an idea of the fluctuation. And I think they said it fluctuates as much as on average, like 20, 20 inches or something like that every year. Is that, I mean, that's a pretty big fluctuation. So with no outflow, all sediment that runs into the lake stays there and settles onto the bottom. Can relate. Yep. Hard same. Yep. It's all right, because you know what? Pear shape is uh, better for your heart anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your butt, not your heart. There you go. <laughs> That's where love lies? I don't know. So much sediment has accumulated that the lake bed is now over 400 meters or over 1,300 feet thick. Like they've cored down into this because it's really cool because of all the volcanic activity. They've been able to core into it and look (laughs) at like thousands of years of volcanic activity from this sediment. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, that's that's a thick bottom. (laughs) Thick cake. Thick with two C's. All this inflow and lack of outflow has contributed to the lake being strongly alkaline. It is described as a saline soda lake with abundant salts such as sodium carbonate and sodium sulfate. So when it's really alkaline, that means it's like, I think they said it's 9.8 pH. It's pretty up there on the pH. It's not, it's more basic than acidic. It's basically like a gigantic um, antacid. It's basically. 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 Okay. It's basically basic. Not acidically, but basically. Basically, yep. It's a lake. (laughs) (laughs) So salty. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, Where was I? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, okay. Found it. These conditions mean that not only does the larger portion of the lake never freeze, even though winter temperatures definitely dip low enough to freeze water, but it's also a really hostile environment which few creatures can inhabit. Oh my god, this lake is me. (laughs) (laughs) Super salty, kind of hostile, bigger on the bottom. (laughs) Super deep. Oh no, (laughs) I don't want to be a lake in Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) The water is so saline that it cannot be used for drinking or irrigation, but this really hasn't stopped people from settling on and around the lake throughout human history. According to turkeytravelcenter.com, there are nearly 7,000 years of human history in the Van region, and much of it was shaped by civilizations such as, they're hard to say, I'm going to say Urartian, Armenian, Byzantine, Seljuk, and Ottoman kingdoms and civilizations. So these civilizations have shaped not only the regions around the lake, but also several large islands within the lake. And even unseen places beneath the water, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But for now, I think it's time to take a quick coffee break. We'll be right back with the delectable main dish. We are back. Thank you for waiting. So I did a whole lot of setup for our first course. What kind of cryptid do you think I'm serving up tonight, given everything we just discussed? Something that likes sodium? (laughs) The salt monster. I really hope it's another gigantic horned thing like in that Russian episode, but probably not. (laughs) Well, for this one, I'm going to be serving up the local creature known as the Vangulu Kanavari, or the Lake Van Monster. So, Ashley, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's not quite as much fun as maybe the Lake Libinkir Monster, but there's a lot of cool stuff about this. There really isn't a whole lot out there to describe exactly what the creature looks like, but I did kind of try to pull from various sources and compile what I could. So what I got was that it's large with estimates of between 12 and 15 meters in length, so 40 to 50 feet. It's often described as being dark in color, either black or brown. The skin is covered in scales and the spine is lined with spikes. So kind of like a stegosaurus, so it looks like it has all these spikes down the back. Many have said that the head appears horse-like with powerful jaws 
and very sharp teeth. So that's about the best description that I can give you. But we'll get into some fun stories. This being made a big splash. (laughs) I was so proud of that one. In the fall of 1995, when papers around the world picked up a story about a strange investigation occurring in Turkey. The big news, you might ask? What's that? Authorities had decided to send investigators to check out Van Gulu after receiving reports from witnesses, including the provincial deputy governor, of a monster in the water. Hmm. The provincial official described the creature as, quote, Just like in the cartoons, it was black and had triangular spikes on, it back. on its back. It looked like a dinosaur. End quote. It's not a very accurate Turkish accent, so I just went with what I could say. Okay, quick pause. Does it have, like, arms and legs? Because I'm picturing it as, like, a giant horse-headed snake right now. See, I did not find anything that said it had paddles, fins, arms, legs. It's all serpentine. You just see its back and its head. Okay, so I wasn't off the mark. All right. Just wanted to make sure I didn't miss that about it uh, having some sort of appendages. So he said it looks kind of like a dinosaur, in my very weird hick accent, I guess. Other witnesses stated that they'd seen a creature with a hairy and horned head. So it was kind of all over the place with what people were saying they'd seen, but officials were like, hmm, this is interesting, we're getting enough reports about this, and there's a government official who says, hey, there's something going on here, maybe we should go check it out. Two years later, Unal Kozak, a teaching assistant at Van University, claimed to have captured the creature on video. He described it as being approximately 15 meters long, so that's about 50 feet, and swift swimming. Mm. This, So I, I found this video, and I'll talk about it, but it's special. Oh. This video is seriously controversial for many reasons. At the time of its release, Kozak claimed to have filmed the creature on three separate occasions, but as far as I can tell, he only ever released this one video. And the original CNN article that I found describing... The, the video and the evidence about it, it described it as, quote, bad quality amateur pictures of something long and dark moving in the middle of the lake. <laughs> bad quality amateur pictures. Like, they suck. Kozak had recently co-authored a book with Mustafa Nutku entitled Van Galu Kanavari, which claimed to have compiled over 1,000 eyewitness accounts of the lake monster. Hmm. So I think it's really important to note that the book was published in 1996, the year before he released the video claiming to capture this monster. Okay. So I was able to find the video on YouTube, and I included the link in the show notes because I thought maybe everybody else would want to see it. Check it out. At first glance, it almost looks like... It it looks like the eye and the top of the head of an elephant just kind of swimming along, but you don't see ears or anything. You don't see a trunk. And, it, and it's dark brown in color, and the skin's kind of leathery. And then there's okay. this, these bubbles that are coming out from the front. When I was looking at it, it really doesn't look like a log. You know how sometimes they'll say it's a log or it's trash, a pile of trash? It, it does look like it's biological. Okay. So much so that other people who have looked at this thing have posited that it's actually a swimming elephant or possibly a hippo. Neither of which exist in the wild in Turkey, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say... I think Turkish people would probably notice, hey, there's this big elephant that doesn't belong here that just went wandering into the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hippos aren't that long. So. Yeah. So there are several problems with the video. Whatever the thing is, it seems to be, like, it's staying at the same depth. It's just kind of cruising along like this. And it doesn't, it doesn't wiggle, it doesn't undulate. You would think that if it's something swimming, you're going to see kicking. Maybe if it's an elephant, it's going to wiggle a little bit from the kicking motion. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It is totally smooth, and then it disappears really smoothly underneath the water. And there's the, also the problem of the constant stream of bubbles coming from wherever you're kind of supposed to assume that the head is. Mm-hmm. So do you breathe in a constant stream just constantly out? No. No. You're going to have to pause to breathe in. Oh, you do. (laughs) Ashley, you have some skills. (laughs) I am very talented. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) She's figured out how to breathe in through her nose and out through her mouth at the same time. So real creatures don't breathe like that. 
it never stopped. It went on and on and on and on. And it was just this constant, very even flow of bubbles. So you know that that can't be something really breathing because there would be in and out. There's Mm -hmm. no pause in this stream. The camera also pans to the right along what's supposed to be like the length of the body. So you get an idea of how long the creature is, but it never bothers to pan to the front. And this has made a lot of people speculate that it's likely that this was some kind of float or some animatronic or something that was being towed by a boat. And the reason they don't pan to the left is because they don't want you to see who's pulling it. Yep, that makes sense. Yep. So needless to say, many people were pretty skeptical of the video and felt it was... The the big feeling was that it was some kind of like publicity stunt to try and get more tourism to the region because it really... Other areas of Turkey had a lot more tourism and this location wanted to bring that in is is the theory. Mm Mm-hmm. I personally think that it makes a lot more sense that it was the authors that were trying to get the publicity for their book, not for the region, because they had published that book only a year before. So to me, it's kind of like, oh, I published this book with all these eyewitness accounts. And now look, I have the evidence. I'm so dedicated. I stayed out here until I got the evidence here. Go check the book so you can hear more about it. Yep, exactly. Personally. Regardless, the witness accounts and then subsequent video of 1995 and 1997 sparked a short-lived flurry of interest in the region and the possibility of another giant, previously undescribed water creature. Everybody's, you know, crazy about Nessie and stuff, so there was a lot of excitement about this. Yeah. This interest was reignited with a discovery made in 2010. Supposedly, researchers found an article published April 29th, 1889 in the... I'm going to say it... Incorrectly, I'm sorry, Turkey. <laughs> Sadet News, which was a paper published out of Istanbul at the time. The article details an encounter three men had with a monster in Vangalu. So it states that three guys were passing through the area. They're kind of just going on a little journey, a pilgrimage, whatever. They stopped at the lake to wash themselves before prayer. And that's when this massive monster came out of the water and grabbed one of the men by the leg. So the guy's like trying to beat it off. Oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Trying to beat back the monster. Can't get it done. So he cries out and the other two guys rush over and they're trying to fight off the monster too, but they can't do it. Nothing's working. So what they do is they run back to the camp and they grab a torch and then they try to fight it with fire. So they basically stick the animal with a big old torch that's on fire and the creature lets out this ear-piercing scream and then starts flailing all about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that was amazing. (laughs) River's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Everything's okay, it's just the plastic. (laughs) I'm not being murdered. Oh my god. That goat instantly comes in handy. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. No, that was perfect. <laughs> so they set it on fire and it screamed like a goat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts freaking out. And it's flailing all over the place. And it has its one of its... I guess it's like a tentacle or a tail. I think it's the tail is wrapped around the man's leg. And it lifts the man 20 to 25 meters into the air. So that's 66 to 82 feet for you people in America. Wow, that's, yeah, that's high. It's high. Lifts it way, lifts the guy way up in the air and then disappears underneath the water, dragging the guy with him. Ooh. And the guy, the body's never found. (sighs) So this was found in 2010 and I thought that was a little interesting because, you know, maybe a decade on some of the craze behind the lake monster had dissipated and it's boy it sure is interesting that they find this at that time but also we know that now they're in an age where people are starting to digitize these old records and so maybe as they were going through old records somebody found it and they were like holy crap (laughs) yeah old record of this other potential historical evidence of a long-lasting belief in the water beast can be found on Akdamar Island. So, remember how I said the lake has a whole bunch of large islands? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it has four large islands, all of which have these ancient Armenian churches and monasteries on them. And that's because this area actually used to be part of the Armenian kingdom for quite a long time. It okay. wasn't Turkish, it was Armenian. 
So Actamar Island is home to Actamar Church, aka the Church of the Holy Cross. And this was built between 915 and 921 CE, according to the UNESCO World Heritage website. Ooh. I think they've put it on, they're petitioning for it to be added as a World Heritage site, but it hasn't officially been designated yet. Gotcha. It's cool. It's a cool looking place. So I want to read a quote from the website about some of the decor that makes this church so special. They state, quote, The stone relief decoration of the church has an extraordinary place among well-known medieval art pieces. Bold reliefs surrounding the building in various bands and at different heights, sometimes erupting out of walls as sculpture, appearing at other times as borders enhancing the architecture. They present a wide range of themes, ranging from religious subjects derived from the Bible and the Old Testament, as well as earthly scenes, such as palace life, hunting figures from daily life, floral and geometric figures, and a variety of animals. End quote. They're really very beautiful. We'll put up some pictures because they're super cool. And they're even a thousand years on. You can still see these reliefs are perfect. They're beautiful. Nice. So it's some of these reliefs that have caught the attention of believers in the Vangulu Kanavari. There are some depictions of serpentine creatures with big ass heads, like these big long snakes <laughs> with a gigantic head. Um, but there's also a depiction of men on a boat trying to hold on to a shipmate. So this guy's like dangling over the side like this, arms out. <laughs> They're holding on his legs. And there's this huge water creature that kind of looks like it's like the body of a fish, but it's kind of long. And then mm-hmm. the head of a, a horse. So it's kind of like a fish horse snake thingy with a fish tail. And it's the same size as the boat. Not that you can really base any kind of size measurements on these things because the humans were basically the same size as the boat so yeah scale is difficult scale is difficult (laughs) especially when you're carving it into stone up high on a wall but this has led a lot of people to speculate that sightings of Vangalu Kanavari date back over a thousand years oh wow Given the overall nature of the reliefs around the church and the widespread belief in water monsters during the age, it's really difficult to say whether this is based on sightings from the lake or just kind of general beliefs of the time surrounding large bodies of water. Because, I mean, on every map that ever came out of Europe and Asia around this time, there are sea creatures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge body of water. They called it a sea. It doesn't make... It makes sense for them to think... To assume already that there's going to be a monster in there. Mm -hmm. In the years since the release of the 1997 video, there have been lots of publications about other potential sightings. They generally all describe something long and dark that is several meters long. (coughs) Impressive. One man even said he witnessed multiple creatures swimming together. So, which would support that maybe there's a small population of them there. So it's clear that regardless of the naysayers, people of the region still really very much believe in the existence of their monster. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really cool because I was going through and trying to find sightings and I found a ton of stuff in Turkish papers, which, by the way, I had to retranslate every time I loaded the page and it was pain in the butt. (laughs) Turkish to English is not a great translation. It doesn't work super well all the time. So can confirm. Yeah, I had to do that for one of my sources. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work the best. No, but it was really interesting to see that it's still very popular. I found articles all across the decades of people talking about their sightings, and it was lots of different people. They're all from the region, so it's clearly something that they really do believe in. I have one last potential sighting I want to talk about that I found interesting before we move on. This was made by the crew of the popular TV show Destination Truth, hosted by archaeologist Josh Gates. Do you guys ever watch Destination Truth? Mm-mm. No, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Uh, he has a couple shows. There's um, Destination Truth and Destination Unknown something something. I don't know. Josh Gates has stuff. Go check him out. <laughs> <laughs> He's an archaeologist who does things. Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So the team visited the lake in 2008 or 2009. The, the episode came out in 2009, but they don't tell you exactly when they visited the lake. It's pretty standard for TV shows. They don't tell you when they go to a location. But it looked like it was cold and rainy, so maybe winter. When they arrived in the region, they interviewed several people who claimed that they had personally witnessed the creature. 
they spoke with the journalist who originally released the infamous 1997 video, and he stated that there had been talk about a monster living in the lake for some time before the video ever even surfaced. But to be fair, there clearly had been some discussion at least since the early 90s, since it had caught the attention of the authorities in 1995. So, you know, that yeah, you're right. There has been some talk, but was there any kind of like real talk? Yeah. They also spoke with the mayor of the city, who stated that divers had seen the eggs of the monster. I don't believe this one. I'm picturing ostrich eggs. I know. I just want you to know I'm picturing fucking ostrich eggs in my head right now. It's like, if you've seen the eggs of it, why haven't you pulled them up? Unless they're like fish or amphibian eggs where they're really, um, they're kind of gummy. Yeah. They have like a jelly. I was going to say gelatinous. Boom. Thank you. (laughs) My brain's just. Or they're made of horse hooves. Yeah. Ugh, don't... St- uh, now I'm thinking about the glue factory. <laughs> <laughs> there are no Kelpies in this. So unless they're gelatinous, like, why wouldn't you bring that up? If you spotted it, grab one. There's your proof. Anyway, the mayor says, we had divers that found the eggs. Uh, he believes that the creature likely spawned around Actamar Island. So that's one of those big islands that I talked about. They're uninhabited now, though all four of them at one point had some kind of habitation on them. Other witnesses who said they'd seen it claimed it had a head like a horse, and it was about 16 meters long and was dark brown in color. One of these additional witnesses said he believed that the creature lived around Actamar Island, I'm sorry, which was the same one that the mayor thought this thing was spawning at, that same spawn, that location. So the team split up into smaller scouting teams. And they're like, okay, let's go out. We'll check out the lake, see if we see anything. So they split into a couple. I think there were five of them all together. So there were two teams around the lake. And then Josh was flying overhead in a helicopter. So the two teams are on opposite shores. And they're looking across at each other like, hey, I see you. Hey. And they're like, hey, I see you. Marco. Polo. So they're stationed on opposite sides, and they're just kind of generally checking out the lake. Joss was flying overhead in the helicopter. One team spots something, and they they radio up to Josh, and they're like, Hey, come back here. I'm seeing something. It's it's long. It's dark. I, it's way out there. I can't get a good look at it. And then right after, the team across the lake says that they're seeing it, too. So both teams on opposite sides can see it at about the same location. But by the time Josh gets back with the helicopter, whatever it was had disappeared. So we don't really Josh. know what it was. You had one job, Josh. <laughs> they gave you a helicopter, Josh. God damn it. Josh is the new Barry. Yep, it is. <laughs> That's why you need drones. At least you're not Carl, though, Josh. Yeah, At least you're not could Carl. be worse. Sorry, Carl. Could be Carl. Fucking Carl. Or Klaus. Fucking muffin kicker. <laughs> I forgot about Klaus, the muffin smasher. Muffin smasher. <laughs> muffin kicker sounds good too, though. So Josh is not smashing any muffins, at least not on screen. <laughs> no, well, he might have been doing it off camera, though, because he didn't get to that fucking spot in time. <laughs> I'm just picturing him with a four pack of muffins, and then he, like, opens it up aggressively afterwards, and he's just like, God! And then he like throws one down and starts stomping on it in the helicopter. And the guy's like, sir, sir, you're going to have to clean that up later. Anyway, so that was the end of them being able to take a look at the lake. So their next step that they decided to do was to go to Actamar Island. because That that made the most sense. That's where all these sightings are. So they decided that they're going to go there and they're going to camp overnight. While they were there, they, they went scuba diving around the shores of the island at dusk. And they went at dusk because that's when it's thought that the monster is most active. So they're diving in the water at dusk. How are you going to see anything? Yeah. <laughs> so visibility was awful. They literally couldn't see more than a few free feet in front of their faces. But also the water, it looked like it had been stormy. It might have been that time of season where water's churning up a whole bunch, so it was really murky. You just couldn't see anything. It wasn't super easy to... It was not clear water, that's for sure. Later, they took a boat out around the island to look for the monster in the dark. So they're just kind of like, yeah, this is really cool. We'll go around when it's pitch black out here and we're far away from civilization and there's no light. Let's go see if we can find a monster. They're just hoping to catch it fucking. <laughs> that's what's happening. Like... 
This is the spawn island. We're gonna hang out there at night. Well, that might explain what they kept hearing because crew members kept hearing a strange moaning sound and lots of splashing. Yup. Uh oh. Bow chicka bow bow. <laughs> They're like, what is that sound? Did they at least have night vision goggles? No. Well, no. They did not. I think they had little lights on the boat, probably, but... Why? You can afford a helicopter, but not night vision goggles. They had some other stuff. Get your shit together, Josh. They they did have some other stuff. So they kept hearing these strange moanings and, and splashing sounds. And then they started to see something large and dark moving in the water, which was dark. And moving. Yeah. And then they felt something bump the underside of the boat. And, and you see it in the video, everybody on the boat, even people who are obviously, like, Turkish crew members, everybody kind of bumps up. It shook everybody to the point where it looked like they were about to lose their footing. So it was Uh-oh. strong. Following that big bump and the sighting, they're like, oh, crap, it's underneath of us. So they immediately drop a camera into the water. And at this, at this point, when they're viewing it live, they're like, oh, I see something large swimming past the lens. It's huge. What is that? But when they look at uh, upon review, it's just a whole bunch of bubbles. Like, it's seriously nothing but bubbles. A bunch of tiny little bubbles. Hmm. So they really couldn't tell what they might have seen or what might have hit them. But the action didn't stop there, though. But wait, there's more. There's more. Close to shore, they could see something long and dark. So they decided to point a thermal camera at it. And that's when they were able to capture on this thermal camera this really long serpentine heat signature. And you can see it. It's over six meet or 20 feet in length. Hmm. It's long. It's there. They see it. You have the video evidence. But it dissipated really quickly. And ultimately, they really couldn't explain what they'd seen or experienced. But everyone that was on the trip saw and felt something. And some of them heard something. Maybe they wish they hadn't. But it is worth noting that it was raining almost the entire time that they were filming on the island, and it did eventually become very, very stormy. So that could possibly confound any possible results that they they had received. But I thought it was really interesting that they got that big, long heat signature, and that comes into play a little bit later with with uh, some of my hypotheses. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take one more short break, and we'll be right back with your dessert. We're back. Who's hungry for something naturally sweet? Me. Is it a berry? What is a berry, really? Bananas, apparently. Everything but this Dr. Pepper is a berry. Even these (laughs) flame nut Cheetos are berries. (laughs) I'm secretly a berry. That's all surface area and no depth. Damn you, berry. (laughs) So after going through all this, I was like, could there really be any possible natural explanation for this at all? And there, there are a lot of, lot of the usual speculations of what it could be, like plesiosaur, mosasaur, ancient aquatic reptiles, the, the usual that we've discussed a whole bunch of times. But this, I think, is extremely unlikely because both animals went extinct over 65 million years ago, the plesiosaur and the mosasaur. Mm -hmm. But the lake wasn't formed, didn't start forming until 600,000 years ago. And that's a huge time gap. Yeah. That's a big old wide gap right there. There might be some that then argue, well, if there was a small surviving population, maybe they swam to the lake before it became completely closed off because it didn't become closed off until later in its history. But this also doesn't work. Because the lake was never, ever connected to an ocean. So even with like a humongous, humongous, humongous what if? <laughs> I'm Sean Connery. I thought you were dead, Sean. <laughs> My secret. Uh, so even with a humongous what if, plesiosaurs and mosasaurs still existed, then they, they couldn't have even gotten to it. So even if they even if there was still a small population that happened to survive nearly six, 65, 64 million years, they still couldn't have gotten to it. Yeah. They can't walk on land with their little tiny flippers. <laughs> what about magic, though? Hmm? Uh, yeah, I can't rule out the magic. Can't help you with that. But I can say that because it's never been connected to an ocean, this also rules out the possibility of a giant squid or ancient whale species, which were two other yeah. things that people had talked about. Because neither could have migrated into the lake. There's just no way they could have gotten there. 
It's also unlikely that the environment of the lake could support a creature of that size. Presently, the largest known uh, animal to inhabit the lake is a fish known as the pearl mullet, which is found only in Vongaloo. So it's an, it's an endemic species to that lake. You don't find it anywhere else in the world. Was anyone else picturing like a pearl with a flowing mullet behind it? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. <laughs> the Joe Dirt of pearls. <laughs> it's the Joe Dirt of fish just eking out a living in this lake. <laughs> the pearl mullet only grows to about 20 centimeters or 8 inches in length. So it's definitely not giant. It's not that big. <laughs> Only slightly impressive. It's, yeah, not super impressive. It's bigger than six inches, so. <laughs> That's a little impressive. A little impressive. We color us slightly impressed. Yeah. And while it has become adapted to the inhospitable conditions of the lake, it still has to travel upstream to fresh water to reproduce. The water in the lake is simply too salty for their eggs to survive. So this kind of gives you an idea of just how hard it is for anything to live there. Like, so if we're going to say maybe the the eggs of this thing were gelatinous, like we discussed earlier, and maybe that's why the mayor didn't have the divers bring them up, they're not going to survive there. They would have to be able to go upstream. Well, this is a big-ass thing that's trying to go upstream to lay an egg in a stream. Think mm-hmm. we'll notice that. Yep. Because it's too salty. Every other animal known to live in the water... Water. 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 Water, Helen. Water. You know... <laughs> Do my best story. Every other animal. <laughs> Known to live in the water is a species of phytoplankton or zooplankton. So they're all itty bitty little things. So yeah, that fish is as big as it gets. Honestly, the most likely explanations for the sightings are the usual suspects. Floating logs. <clears throat> schooling mullets. Also fun. <laughs> I literally wrote hee <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot I did that. Trash or optical illusions. So optical and auditory illusions make a lot of sense, especially when considering that Von Galu Kanavari is thought to be most active at dusk, when light refraction off of waves can look very different than during daylight. And dimming light conditions can make it harder to visually assess your surroundings to determine the source of a strange sound. So you're basically just letting your mind play tricks on you. Oh, okay. This is me postulating. This is me throwing stuff out there based on what I know about things. Furthermore, if people are already kind of in the mindset that they're more likely to experience this thing at dusk, it makes them predisposed to perceive events as evidence of the creature rather than normal conditions of the lake. So you might hear that sound during the lake during the daytime and never even think twice about it. But when you hear it in, at dusk, you think, Von Gulu. <laughs> Another possible explanation that just makes me chuckle is the release of methane gas from the lake bed. And I do that a lot. It's farting. (laughs) The lake bed is farting. Yep. This could be a pretty strong possibility given the tectonic and volcanic activity of the region which formed the lake in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you might be thinking, well, then it probably should just look like a stream of bubbles in one spot. Not in a straight line like a serpent, right? Mm -hmm. But that would be true if you're looking at simply a hole in the lake bed. But... If this is like a crack in the fault of the lake bed, it's going to be more likely to be releasing those gases in a line. That makes sense. It's going to come up all together at once. Methane in the water column has also been shown to affect buoyancy of ships and possibly even sink them. Like this is seriously one of the things that they think about with the Bermuda Triangle, why so many ships have sunk. They think that there's an issue with methane gas being released from the floor of the seabed. Hmm. This could explain... Why the Destination Truth team felt something buffet their boat but couldn't see anything solid. Just a ton of bubbles. Oh, yeah. Like, it was nothing but bubbles. Seriously, if you see this video clip, it's all bubbles. It also might help explain why they saw a heat signature in a straight line that seemed to dissipate. Mm -hmm. If there's like a magma chamber near or beneath the lake which it's not unreasonable to assume that that's the case due to the close vicinity of other volcanoes. The gases could have been heated before rising to the surface and then they just rapidly cooled. So that could be why you saw that strong line and it could be why they were buffeting about a bit. This is all just my speculation. I don't have any proof of this. Um, I looked at fault lines and ridges of the volcanoes so uh, and along that region. So I think there's reasonable conclusions here, but... 
I don't have any evidence that that's actually what's occurring. So to me, it seems rather unlikely that what has been observed was caused by a large creature. The shores of the of this lake have been inhabited for millennia, so it's probably like the vast majority of macroscopic animals have already been described. If it's big enough for you to be able to see it with your eyes, they probably described it. People have been there for 7,000 years. In other words, it's really hard to believe that something that large would have managed to go unnoticed by science for that long, especially considering there would need to be a community of them to support continued sightings. Makes sense. That said, however, and this is a fun little thing, Ashley, I think you're going to enjoy. There's an issue with visibility and depth of the water. It is a very, very deep lake. There are obviously visibility issues. There's a lot of turnover in the water and it can be quite turbulent. So, And there's certainly enough room and the water is cloudy enough to argue that something might simply be eluding detection. This is further supported by recent discoveries of an entire lost city beneath the lake's surface. Hell to the yeah. I thought you'd get a kick out of this one. The city was discovered during what was uh, a study of the lake to search for the Van Gulu Kanavari, but instead they found the ruins of a city and ancient fortress dating from around an estimated 3,000 years ago. Wow. Yes. Isn't that cool? That's cool. They, uh, I think they said it's only like 13 feet or 13 meters. I can't remember. I always see everything as feet, but it's probably meters of the stone walls are still visible above the sediment, but if you think about how much might be buried underneath the sediment, there's an entire city under there. That's yeah. crazy. So it's believed that it was constructed during the Iron Age as part of the Urartu Kingdom, aka the Kingdom of Van. Gotcha. Weirdly, this kingdom existed for only about 300 years before it just mysteriously disappeared, and it was really prosperous civilization they know that it was strong they had a whole bunch of trade going on and then it like boom it's gone they think possibly due to war but they don't know fun little fact the only surviving written records from urartu are actually they survive on a uh, stone carving in van kind of cool huh mm-hmm. so with the discovery something that's quite literally been sitting in one spot for 3,000 freaking years but was only recently found it isn't a huge stretch then to think that maybe other things which can move might remain unseen in the lake mm-hmm. yeah yep. in terms of pop culture the creature obviously has a fan following throughout Van and Turkey it's been discussed in multiple television shows including the Destination Truth episode I discussed earlier there's at least one book written about it and Oh, I'm going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to try this guy's name. Bulent Ejivit, who was prime minister of Turkey from 1999 to 2002, even wrote a poem out about it. There's a poem about the Van Gulu Kanavari. I tried, I tried so hard to find a translation, but it's, it's that issue of translating it to English. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. So it's like, no, we're not going to try reading this one. I thought I would be able to include it, but no, it would have been terrible. You would have been asking me what the hell I was trying to say. So the town is so fond of the native cryptid that it even erected a statue in its image. It's a four meter, 13 foot tall statue of what kind of looks like a brontosaurus standing up on its hind legs. Like it looks like it's going like this, like shaking its fist and yelling at the neighborhood kids to get out of its lake. (laughs) Get out of my lake. It's pretty funny. Kind of cute. And that's it. That's the, that's the tale of, the Van Gulu Kanavari, or the Lake Van Monster. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on turkeytravelcenter.com called Six Things to Do in Van Turkey, a page on allaboutturkey.com about Van Lake, a page on lakepedia.com called Van Lake, the largest lake in Turkey, an AP News article titled Authorities Investigate Turkish Lake Monster, published November 1st, 1995, an AP archive video of the 1997 video evidence accessed on YouTube, a June 12, 1997 article from CNN entitled Sea Monster or Hoax, a May 2020 article entitled Pearl Mullet Fish of Lake Van Begin Their Tough Journey Upstream, published in the Daily Sabah, Season 3, Episode 5 of Destination Truth, accessed on Amazon. That was a fun episode. A 2017 article on National Geo... National, not National. National Geo... <laughs> Get out of here, cat. National Geographic. Called Underwater Fortress Discovered Under Turkish Lake. A page on... I'm going to go for it. I don't know. Neretical.com called Lake Van Monster. The story of a legend turning into reality. 
a Cryptids fandom page on the Lake Van Monster, and a UNESCO World Heritage page on Actamar Church. So what did you guys think of the Lake Van Monster? I think the lake farted. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two questions. Sure. And I forgot one of them. (laughs) Did they say in there where the city was? Like, was it close to any of the, like, islands that are in the lake? That? I don't know. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Because I'm not sure. Let's see. Where are you located, Hidden City? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you loved your goat. I'm fucking playing with it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Shut up, Google. Go away. Oh, it's a tectonic lake. Thank you, Wikipedia. I already knew that. (laughs) Sciencealert.com. What does sciencealert.com say? She just got sassy with Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here with that shit. God damn it. I don't have time for amateur hour. (laughs) It's like that scene from Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson walks into, like, the Home Depot and the guy tries to help him and he's like, I know more than you. (laughs) I know more than you. Or like me, anytime I go into a costume store, like, I don't need your assistance. Get the fuck out of here. Get out. (laughs) I don't see anything that tells exactly where it is, but that's honestly not surprising because with it being a historical site like that and 3,000 years old, they might not really want people to know where it's at. Yeah. It's exact location, so it's not super surprising. But apparently they also found uh, a whole bunch of underwater fairy chimneys. Turkey is loaded with fairy chimneys, which are really freaking cool. What is a fairy chimney? chimney? It's, um, from what I gather, it was a rock formation that was actually comprised of two different kinds of rock, and so what happened was that It's like there was a core of one type of rock, and then the outside was another more porous type. And over time, water eroded the outside, so now you have, like, these big, tall... They honestly look like gigantic penises all over the landscape. (laughs) They're very (laughs) phallic-looking. But um, they're all over Turkey, and they found a whole bunch of them underneath the lake, too, which was really cool. That's cool. They also found a Russian ship from the 1940s down there. I think they said it sank in, like, 1948. Which brings us back to my other theory, which is Rasputin. Mm -hmm. Did it somehow. It's always Rasputin. (laughs) It's always Rasputin. Everybody knows somehow he's Nostradamus. You don't ever know where Rasputin's (laughs) going to show up. (laughs) Sorry, Sean. (laughs) I I thought when I was going through this and I was... I came across that whole idea of it being methane. I was like, that fucking makes sense. Because I knew a little bit about methane gas. And the more I thought about it, and then I saw what happened on the Destination Truth. Because I already kind of had this theory and the Destination Truth did that thing. And I'm like, it makes so much sense. <laughs> it's like, it's methane yep. gases. Yeah. And, and just the way that, I mean, if you ever, I live on Lake Erie. So I look out on a big lake all the freaking time. The way sunlight plays off of that, it can look like you see ships out there that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really easy to see something that looks like a long creature moving along, just the way the waves move and the way light can catch it. That makes sense. So it's not surprising. It's definitely either the lake bed farting or Rasputin. I'm sold. It's one of those things. Maybe it's Rasputin farting. Maybe it is. Maybe that's what that one in the video of the long, solid stream of bubbles was. <laughs> it's actually Rasputin's ass. He was just propelling himself through the water. That's why it looks so leathery. He's been dead and dried out for a hundred years. It's <laughs> just jerky floating through the water and farting. It's yeah, fun how much jerky. I never how much I never learned to not make fun of Rasputin. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't come at me. Please don't. He shows up again and he's like well, no, because he'll be he'll drop in and be like, oh no, things are bad enough here. There's nothing I can do to you. <laughs> and he'll just peace out. He'll be like, I was killed seven times, but uh, you got a little bit tougher here, so. You've suffered enough, darling. <laughs> <laughs> this is worse than when they bludgeoned me. <laughs> Threw my fucking body in a lake. <laughs> in Russia. In winter. Oh my god. That suck. It's okay. Based on the autopsy, he was already dead when they put him in the water, but it really depends who you ask, because some people are like, no, he was still alive. 
Yeah, because wasn't he shot like a bunch? He was shot. He was beaten a whole bunch. He was poisoned. Um, they, they allegedly tried to poison him, but his autopsy, if you actually look at it, didn't find any traces of cyanide. So I can pretty much guarantee you the doctor was just like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> just didn't put any cyanide in the cakes. That's fair. And then somehow he surfaces in Turkey a hundred years later. Well, he's magic. That's true. So. That's true. He's got to, you know, get around. People would recognize him in Russia. It's dark magic. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. It's all the salt in the lake. That's what preserved him. That's why he looks like jerky. Yep. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Nailed it. Mama Fied Rasputin. <laughs> farting. <laughs> <laughs> solved it. Turkey, we solved it. Well, before we move on to something good, any other thoughts on the Van Gulu Kanavari? That lake is one salty bitch, mm-hmm. and I resent how much it sounds like me. <laughs> oh no. I'm an uninhabitable lake in Turkey <laughs> with a lost city in my depths. <laughs> but you also have pearl mullets. That's how so. big my ass is. There's a whole ancient city <laughs> down there. Okay, new theory. It's just the pearl mullets. It's the school of pearl mullets. Yeah, I did put that out there. And they and they like they like to follow the it's both. And they like to follow the heat that comes up. And they're like, ooh, bubbles. Possibly. Be around the warmth. Especially depending on the time of year. Mm-hmm. I just want the pearl mullets to be part of it. So did you guys have anything good to share this week? I got a really deliciously smelling candor from M for Christmas. We all got candles. Yum, yum. Yeah, that's true. We got presents. I already used my screaming goat in an episode already, so. That was amazing. <laughs> Lindsay's just going to die Smells in her candle so right now. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to snort a candle. It's, it's not a big deal. It's not. Life is hard. Do I, I mean, need to get you the bread candle next? I don't know. This smells really good. It's huckleberry, lemon, and vanilla for people who are curious. And if this is what strippers really smell like, then I have misjudged you. <laughs> and now we're all sitting here sniffing our candles. Like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> this candle is a cash miracle. <laughs> Light it. It has the two wicks. It has the double wicks, man. It's genius. I don't have any fire right here at the moment. <laughs> I would have to get up. I can't even find my cell phone. You weren't here when I was looking for it. <laughs> Well, she has blunt can't scissors. Find anything? I have blunt scissors and a Boston Terrier. <laughs> I guess I could try to light it with the flaming Cheetos. There you go. <laughs> Just rub them together and it like will spark. <laughs> I got hooded. You did. That sounds wrong. Okay, so people who don't know what getting hooded means, it's it's not some clandestine thing. It's something that happens when you get an advanced degree, your master's or your your uh, doctorate. I got my master's degree. I graduated this, what, two days ago? Mm-hmm. My dad cried. Aww. That was cute. Did you have anything good you would like to share, Ash? I like my screaming goat a lot. And I like, I got um, fingerless gloves, too, which are also really good. I'm going to be using the candles, the goat, and the fingerless gloves, like, a lot. All three of those things, I feel like, are going to get used a lot. Because my hands are always really cold, and I always need to be typing because that my life is basically just pretending I'm Felicity Smoke. So. <laughs> now my hands will be warm. My fingers will still be a little cold, but I'll be able to type, and that's what matters. And you look super stylish. I know. I have purple and black, and I can mix and match them, which I've already done, because, of course, that was the first thing I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess uh, it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of salted lake monster, possibly Rasputin. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy? Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch 
Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapppizzapod. That's pineapppizzapod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.